you know, I'm so thankful for everything that the Lord has done. Um, and and uh, I just believe there's uh, prophetically a tremendous opportunity for the body of Christ. And um, it's like God said, ready, set, go, yes. you know. And, um, and so the gate, you know, we're like, we've been like that horse um secretariat with the 22 pound heart you know with the key of david and we've been like how long oh lord how long can we go when can we go and we've been pushing up against that gate just ready to run you know and he's been preparing us and so there's so much i have so much hope in my heart the body of christ has so much hope it's like every day i'm like lord how can we make your name great and um but there's something that i've noticed that's been happening and, I, and, and Lana Valzer and I both had a dream about it, and so I just wanted to present it this morning, and I really want to talk about something, and it's kind of an admonishment to us uh, not to do something um, and to be very careful as we navigate the days ahead and we run, we want to run um, with clean hands and a pure heart. Um, so has anybody noticed a huge increase in the activity of taking sides? Um, it's like sides seems to be the thing. What side are you on? You know, I'm on this side, I'm on this side. And, um, and we see it with unbelievers, uh, but, we, but we also see it in the church a lot. Um, not just in the political realm, but in life. We see that sides thing happening. And I was really surprised, um, not growing up a Christian, I was really surprised how prevalent it is in the church um, how many of you, I want you to raise your hands. How many of you have ever been betrayed? Raise your hand. By a believer. How many of you have been falsely accused? Raise your hand. How many of you have been despitefully used? Raise your hand. All right, everybody. So, yeah, we're believers. So, yay. But what, what I find interesting is that it's typically by other believers. And, um, you know, having worked in... The 20 years before I was a believer, I was building businesses. And um, so I think in terms of um, building and I think in terms of processes and, and um, how you develop something in the marketplace so that it will be successful. And so I think in terms of business models, when I build, and it's just the way my mind works, and, 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 and so I've been a believer now almost 20 years, and, and I'm seeing a, a model that's not really working. Sometimes it works, but, but, but it's like the things that we're doing and how we're shooting one another and doing things to one another, that's not what, what God is saying. That's not who we're called to be. And so I've been, I've really been pondering this in my heart because you answered questions that I have also, things that I have also experienced, incredible betrayals, incredible accusations, incredible. And it's like <clears throat> people will come and they will, uh, they will um, take sides um, and then they'll talk about the side that they're on and they'll tell that person about the side that they've chosen and then they'll th that person will tell another person and so then you have this whole scenario happening that is so poisonous yeah. 
And um, so I, I really wanted to deal with that this morning because in Matthew, Jesus warns his disciples that in the end of the age, many will be offended. They will betray one another. They'll hate one another. And the love of many will grow cold. Say that. The love of many will grow cold. So, so I'm looking at what's happening in the earth, but I'm, but, but what, what is happening in the earth is reflecting of what's happening in the body of Christ, because we're supposed to be a witness to, and we're supposed to testify of the things of heaven. And this kind of nonsense doesn't go on in heaven. Um, Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and they say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake, meaning that they accuse you in the name of Jesus. And so they think they're serving the Lord in their persecution of you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so it's interesting about the, the whole dynamic of persecution. It's actually... God takes that and he uses it for promotion because what the enemy meant for evil through your brethren, God is going to turn it for good. And so we can, as I love these songs, so we can take heart in knowing that God has got this and we're actually, the minute that, that the persecution comes, the minute that the betrayal comes, we're like, woo, I'm getting promoted. Now it doesn't feel like that, but... But honestly, and, and so navigating these shark-filled waters is really important for you um, because what we want to do is we want to justify our pain um, in the process by controlling uh, others' behaviors through opinions and through judgment. We want to justify what's been done to us by... Um, going in and thinking about who's right and who's wrong. So the name of this message is Religionless Christianity. And to me, I've been walking this out now for a long time, and I thought, you know, there's just got to be a better way, God. There's got to be a better way than always thinking who's right and who's wrong. Because what I've learned is that that business model, that model doesn't, it's not working. <clears throat> it's not working for the world because that's what the world is doing. They've taken a side. But it's not working for, the, for us either. Lana Valzer and I both had dreams about snakes this past week. And um, she said that she believed it, that, that what was happening at the White House, and there's just going to be this incredible great awakening, and, and, um, but the snakes were coming in the back door of the White House. And uh, the snakes, I believe, is, uh, is, is the enemy coming in and trying to entangle us in uh, debating right and wrong and my side, your side, versus going through that gate that's been open and beginning to run after and, and, and following in the will of God 
but getting into the politics of life. And, um, and so the good news is there's an opportunity for greatness that has been laid before us by the Lord, but the enemy knows this, and so therefore he wants to thwart what God is doing. The word says, and Jesus said, judge lest you be judged. Do not judge. Do not judge. If you judge, you are going to be judged to the measure that you judge. And he also said, mercy triumphs over judgment. I was recently in a scenario where I had to... um, I experienced a, a, a betrayal that came so near and dear to my heart. And, and I uh, began to process the situation, and I landed in the camp of what's right and wrong, justifying my righteousness and their failure. And, and this, this went on for quite a long time, and I'm just being really open and vulnerable with y'all. Um, Because what I'm about to tell you is I have a feeling is going to really um, convict and possibly offend a lot of you. It offends me. Um, And the more that I processed, the more death that came to me. See, psychology is not right. The more you talk about it, the better you feel. It's not true. And especially for women, because sometimes we're verbal processors, and so it's really hard, you know, because emotions can be a runaway train for us. And, but God said, you take those emotions captive because the only thing that's true is my word. Your emotions don't speak truth. My word speaks truth, my word and my word alone. Um, You know, a lot of people that John and I counsel they, they, they are processing, and we just say, hey, it's not important how you feel. I mean, we, we bless you, and we want to pray for you that, the, that, you know, the Holy Spirit will comfort you, but it's really important what the Word of God says. And so we have to submit ourselves to the Word of God, and we have to navigate our lives through that reality. Um, so nothing is more central to the Christian walk than love. I think we can all agree on that. And scripture repeatedly and emphatically commands us to live in love and to put love above all things. It tells us that if we love, we fulfill everything else that the Lord requires of us. But that if we don't love, then nothing else that we do is of any value. Love, there are three loves. Love God, love yourself, and love everyone else. And he didn't say, if you feel like it, or if they are nice to you. He said, you love your enemies when they do things to you. You have to love them. And it's like, you know, you're kind of making it impossible for me to walk this thing out because I'd really just like to punch them in the face. I mean, come on. So at the center of, of paradise in the Garden of Eden, God provided for Adam and Eve all and all of their descendants with two things, with provision and with prohibition. With provision and with prohibition. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, 
upon the two trees that were in the garden, the destiny of man is to be decided. Upon these two trees, the tree of life was God's provision to meet our needs and to share his life endlessly. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was God's prohibition against humans overstepping their proper domain. At the center of this glorious life, God wants humanity to share in all that he has for us, all of our abundance. But he has graciously put a no trespassing sign on this tree. He has not changed his mind about that. And he did it so that we will not surpass the boundary that he created for us to have life and life eternal and life abundant and life filled with love and life filled with promises. And because if according, whatever you judge will be judged back to you, that measurement will be judged back to you. So what I found is if there's a pattern of, of being judged wrongly over and over and over, you could be the problem. <laughs> I mean, really. I've had to come to this reality. It's like, and this is an especially hard message for people who are prophetic, and this is a prophetic house. Because prophets see things in black and white. And so it's, it's, we see things in absolutes. So, so we got an opinion, you know? At the center of this existence, God wills for us is the humble recognition that we are not God. And thus we must leave to God what God wills to keep for himself. Namely, the knowledge of good and evil. He said, you see that tree? That's not your tree. Don't touch that tree. You don't have what you need in order to eat that fruit. I did not make you, says God, to eat that fruit. Because if you eat it, you will surely die. And it will bring death to your life. See, everything else surrounds, in the garden, surrounds this center and this truth. Think about the condition of Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned, before they ate of this tree, before they ate of this fruit. They were like children. They were adults but in their hearts and in their minds and in their spirits, they were like children. They'd never felt pain, sorrow. They'd never felt disappointment. They, they, they were so innocent and so naive. And then when they ate of the fruit, all of a the sudden they became self-aware. And they became the center of their existence. In God's plan, God alone would know good and evil. As creator, God alone has the right and the ability to define good and evil. 
Things are good and evil insofar as they align with or oppose God's will, not our wills. God's will and nothing more. You see, it is when God administers judgment, knowing good and evil, think about this. He's the only one that knows what's going on behind the scenes in every situation and in every life. But more than that, he knows the will that he has for that person. Every person on the earth, saved and unsaved, have been born with a purpose in God. So when God administers judgment, knowing good and evil, it serves God's purpose of inviting his family into the utmost experience of love. When humans try to do this, however, it tends to facilitate death for ourselves and for others and typically looks like control, manipulation, anger, and rage. It becomes a behavior of moral management. <clears throat> so it becomes religion. In essence... The essence of sin, according to Genesis' account of the transgression of this proper boundary, the minute that they, they went beyond where they were created to be, um, they became unsatisfied with being godlike in their capacity for love. But they wanted instead to be like God. Because they're like, well, now I'm like God. I know good and evil. Now I am God, and I can begin to judge things according to right and wrong. But as they did that, because they didn't have the wisdom of God, because they didn't have the foreknowledge of God, because they didn't have the omnipotence of God, they judged wrongly. And it was a place that they were never supposed to be. And this today is how the serpent tempts us. I'm going to wound you. I'm going to offend you to see if I can get you to enter into judgment against the person that just did this. I mean, how many of you listened to Madonna this last week? So, what's our response to that? Well, we've got an opinion. We've got an opinion, so we're going to judge right and wrong about that, right? Or we could pray and say, God, show me this woman because I know you love her. I know there's something going on in her. God, how can I serve your will by doing what you tell me to do. I'm reminded the story of John the Baptist. Now you've got a, an evil political figure who's thrown John the Baptist in jail and John knows he's about to get his head handed to him. Not a good scenario. So John is like, hey guys, I want you to go to Jesus and I want you to ask him, is this right or is this wrong? 
And Jesus doesn't answer the question. He just says, let me tell you who I am. This is who I am. Just go back and tell John the Baptist about all that you've seen me hear miracles, signs, wonders, blah, blah, blah. So he's tooting his own horn. And John's like, and they're probably like, well, I'm not sure that's going to bring him a lot of comfort. But anyway, so, so there was that scenario. But, but here's what Jesus didn't do. He didn't say, oh, Herod, man, that guy. He didn't get into debating the right and the wrong of Herod because Jesus said, I only do the will of my father. I only do what I see my father doing and I only say what I hear my father saying. So he was hemmed in in his response to that by only saying, this is who I am. This is truth. The essence of sin is that we play God. We critically assess and evaluate everything and everyone from our limited, finite, and biased perspective. Instead of simply deriving life from that which is given at the center of our existence, which is Christ, we try to derive our likeness of God, our life and our worth from that which is forbidden. Adam and Eve violated this boundary and thrust themselves into the center of the garden, making themselves wise like God. It awakened them to, like I said before, self-awareness, but also to shame. They tried to design their own space, as it were, with themselves at the center. And we do the same. We do this. We try to make creation and God circle around us. We try to make it all about us. God, it's really my will because I'm judge. I've become judge and I can determine right and wrong. Instead of remaining content and being a complement to everything of what God is doing, we want to be in the very center and be God and judge everything and how it responds to how it makes us feel. Y'all still like me? (laughs) We attempt to use things and people to derive our worth, to meet our needs and expectations, and improve our lives in some way. We know good and evil in the process, for invariably we we judge things as good. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's evil. That's evil. That's evil on the basis of how well they play a role, we assign them. Living as the source of the center means living as judge. Okay, this way of life is diametrically opposed to God. And I really believe that if we can get out of living as judge and judging every single thing based on our own thinking or how mature we believe that we are over everyone else that we're judging, I think that life for us will go a lot better and we'll begin to actually live and not judge. Because believe me, those out there that are lost, they know judgment. They can sense it. And you know when somebody that is supposed to be loving you and praying for you, you know and can sense when there's been a judgment. Because what happens with judgment is it cuts love off. 
And all of a sudden, you're talking to this person, and you're thinking, okay, something's there. Something has happened, and there's been a conversation where there's been judgment because I'm not feeling the same freedom in my conversation with them. And that's the way that I lost feel. They know. They will know we are Christians by our judgment. <laughs> they will know we are Christians by our biblical worldview. <laughs> or they'll know we're Christians by our love. See, this kind of life of judging, it makes it impossible for the fullness of God's love to flow into us and through us. And that's truly what we want. But this fallen way of life, people and things have worth only to the extent that they can fill us. Instead of simply ascribing unsurpassable worth to others, and, and we're going we're gonna to have a little exercise in a minute, because the creator does, we ascribe limited worth to people depending on our judgment of them. Do people love me? Do they please me? Do they benefit me? Do they affirm me? Do they agree with my opinions? If you agree with me, if you're on my side, we're cool. But if you're not on my side, we're not cool. A perfect example of this is when people get a divorce. It's like, part the Red Sea because we got a team over here and we got a team over here. And both of them have opinions about everything because the people that are getting a divorce have, of course, shared all of that stuff with them. And so they're like, oh, my gosh, can you believe what he did, she did, they did. Oh, poor kids. We're better than this. There is a better way. We are the ones who declare that someone or something is good or evil. We have set ourselves up as the center around which everything revolves and therefore the standard against which everything is measured. We actually have put our place, ourselves in the place of the plumb line. And we said we are the truth and everything else gets measured against us. Every judgment we think, speak, or act becomes... it. Uh, act upon presupposes that we are in a position of superiority over the person we judge. It presupposes that we are God relative to the person or the thing that we judge. And this judgment is illegitimate because in reality we're not God to anyone. And I'm talking to myself because I've done this recently. I mean, I'm just confessing that to y'all because this is really, because this is how I used to be in the world and this is just what I thought that you're supposed to do. But guess what? What I, as, I, as, as life continued on and I continued in this process, I found that I didn't feel any better. And I, and I, and I didn't, and, and there was no life in it. Really, there was only death in it. See, our judgment cuts us off from the true source of life and the person we judge. If we're going to live the life God intends for us, if we're going to participate in this kind of ecstatic love affair with Jesus, we ha Jesus has to be restored as the center of our lives. The central goal of the Christian life is to yield to the truth of who we already are in Christ. Jesus died so that we 
we have the power to eat the fruit of the tree of life. As we love the world and those around us, we become the shining light of love into the darkness. But if we judge the world, then we have become like the world and there's no light in us. How can you love what you've judged? Somebody told me that recently. How can you love what you've judged? And I didn't think that's what I was doing. But in fact, that's what God told me I was doing. We can't justify ourselves. When we get hurt, we have to go to the Lord and we have to take our cares to the Lord. And we have to submit our, 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 our heart to him. And cry it out and and mourn and weep and weep and weep and weep. But the more that we talk, the more that it's going that pain is going to continue, and the more damage that we do to ourselves. Because those words are out there, and guess what? They the target is on my head. When I speak that, it's going to come right back on my head, and then I got to deal with that. The Bible says, hmm, I got, I, got a, I got a solution. You can actually repent. You can turn around and you can change your mind about this. We can turn from our old self that has lived as the center of everything and judge everything and therefore as needing things as the source of life and turn and say, okay, Jesus so wrong about that I don't want to do that anymore I don't want that to be who I am I want to have eyes for people and I want to see people for how you see them even when they hurt me and so the Lord said to me recently about this scenario and I had the I had the battle playing in my brain how many of you know that my side, their side, my side, their side. Oh, I did this, all this stuff right. I don't know why they're acting the way they are, blah, 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 blah. You know, and so you play those two things and they continue to go off. And I mean, I'm telling you guys, months and years can go by. And that thing's still playing in your brain. So the Lord broke in and he said, will you extend mercy for judgment? And, of course, I said, yes, Lord, of course I will. Of course I will. Of course we will. And so I said it out loud. I extend mercy, and I said this person's name. And, guys, the argument in my brain went away. And it's never been back. And so... The healing process takes a little longer, but I've broken the power of of going beyond where I belong, and I've gotten back into the area where I can again, life can begin come back into my soul and my mind and my spirit, because here's the thing, God has a plan and a purpose for me. And as long as I stay locked up in that battle, I can't run out of that gate. I can't be secretariat. And I, I want 
the promise. As John was saying, we want the promise. We don't want to be stalled again by eating of this fruit. So I called this religionless Christianity because I don't want to be the accuser, the executioner, and the judge anymore. I want to be like Adam and Eve were, where they are just like, I just want to do the Father's will. I mean, when you say, okay, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'll go do that. Okay, Lord, what do you, how do you want me? I'm not going to judge Madonna. You know, who knows what that woman's been through? You know, I, I'm not going to judge Obama, you know, or, or, you know, it's like if we'll get into the Father's will, a lot of the things that we see will probably come down, honestly. And I think that, that it's hard because it's convicting because, honestly, this is, I'm so offended by this. Because in truth, we really do want to judge. Because we're like, well, I have discernment. You know? Right? Every one of you are thinking that. But honestly, we want to do what benefits us the most, and we don't want to get outside of the things that we're supposed to be doing. We want to be fruitful. We want to multiply. We want to be like Jesus. When he said, and all, and listen, he was the favorite of all of the sinners. How many of you can say that? (laughs) They see us coming and they go, "Mm mm-hmm, they're going to judge me. The homosexual community, you know, the the transgenders, the this, the that, the other thing. And it's like, Lord, give me your words. Give me your words over this. I want to release your words over this. Amen? Okay. I have a part two to this. Um, so we're going to have religionless Christianity part two. And I'm going to talk about how to live from the tree of life while dealing with sin. Because I know that's kind of hanging out there. You're like, yeah, but. So, so I want to address both of those, you know. Um, I don't want to leave that undone because you'll think, well, that's not really true. And it doesn't really apply when we're talking about this. Because here's the thing. I'm not talking about. Um, unsanctified righteousness or unsanctified grace. I'm not talking about runaway sin that you can't. So, so we're going to deal with that in part two. But, but for uh, the the sake of part one, I just really wanted to, because I want to give you guys an opportunity for the, the the storm to come down, because every one of you's been hit by the enemy. It's not by the people. Jesus said, and he's the ultimate. Um, uh, victim, honestly. I mean, look what they did to him. He was perfect. How much more will they do to the servant than the master? You know? And, um, and so you're not going to get out of this unscathed, but you can get out of this um, turning what the enemy meant for evil and letting God turn what the enemy meant for evil to good so that you can benefit from it and grow through it and, um, and uh, not judge others in the process. So uh, let's do this. I want you to stand if you've been betrayed or accused or spitefully used. <laughs> Cuban, can you put some worship on? 
I'm going to pray. And I think that um, if we, I'm just going to lead you in repentance. And you can say your own words or whatever, or you can repeat after me. But I want you to stop for a minute and just let your heart be quiet. And I want you to think about the person that has wounded you and hurt you. So repeat after me. Father, I repent for judging, for eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I turn back to the tree of life. I want to live in your will and your way. And I want you to do this. Don't don't repeat after me. I want you to do this. I want you to say this person's name, and you can say it under your breath or however you want to do it, but I want you to say, I extend mercy for judgment. Father, would you bless this person? Father, I pray that they would go even farther than I do. And I release them into your loving arms. And I thank you, Lord, that you're a good, good father. That you have a purpose for this person's life. And I don't know what that is. But I love you and I'll do what you tell me to do. I will pray how you tell me to pray. I will bless how you tell me to bless. Because I want to be in your perfect will. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, all right, I love you guys.